This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. This week on Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs, I'm celebrating Women's History Month. And now, Women's History Month, actually, someone said to me just two weeks ago, it's not really a big deal and it's not something that we take seriously and it's not really something that many people have heard about. Well, I beg to differ because yes, Women's History Month is an international celebration and we know that August is Women's Month in South Africa, but Women's History Month is just as important as it's a time where we highlight magnificent you know, realities that women have done, contributions women have made, discoveries women have found, and all of the above and so much more. And history has been made every day, right? So we know that women are writing history every single day, that we are part of that. And so today on the show, I'm going to be joined by Khania. She is an artist and she is really, really an incredible artist. She's also big about women's rights, creating awareness on mental health and really writing history and disrupting the norm as she says and she has created a beautiful exhibition that puts women's rights into a picture where she created an exhibition a solo exhibition as well that is now on exhibit over at the state theater in Pretoria and it's all about curating and telling women's history or as we call it her story and it's so incredible to be joined by Khania who's going to be joining me first up on the show today to be discussing Women's History Month, what the exhibition has meant to her and why it's important to celebrate women's history. Later on on the show, I'm also going to be joined by Fatima Katrada. Fatima is an incredible woman who has been on the show once before to talk about fertility and women's reproductive health. And as March is also Endometriosis Awareness Month, Fatima is going to be joining me so we can talk about this illness known as endometriosis. You know, it's becoming quite a popular thing, as I would like to say, to talk about women's reproductive health. And we need to do it more and more. We hear words like endometriosis or infertility. We hear words like PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. But sometimes we don't really always know, you know, what exactly it is, what the symptoms are. And so Fatima is going to be joining me to talk about endometriosis. And she is a lecturer, a pharmacist, a researcher, an activist. She loves creating awareness and is a woman's health advocate and she's big about having huge conversations breaking down stigmas and of course informing the public and so that is what we're going to be doing today on the show you know endometriosis is something that so many women around the world suffer from and yet it can often take a very long time to get a diagnosis which is why it's important that if you think that you might have Uh, endometriosis or something similar that you tune in and listen up as we talk about this illness and see what you can do to take care of yourself and also Fatima is going to be sharing with us how to take care of ourselves once we have the diagnosis and we are living with endometriosis so it's going to be a great show today I'm looking forward to having you with me for the next hour here on K-Pool but so don't go anywhere because Khania is with me after this All right, no problem.
It is going to be such a great time on the show today, as I have been promising you all. I have an amazing guest who is joining me, and we're really going to be touching on Women's History Month, why this is important, and really with someone who is creating amazing pieces that are just have the heart of Women's History Month and also just empowering women before we get into that. Hanya, how are you doing today? It is so great to have you with me. And you're just such a champion for women's history and for telling women's stories in a very, very unique way. So welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me, Lauren. Thank you so much. Now, again, like I say, it's Women's History Month and a lot of people probably think, you know, why women's history? Like, do we need a whole month just to think about women in history and what they've done? And I've heard people say that, like, okay, history is kind of boring. Why are we thinking about <laughs> women's history, right? And I, I love the fact that you're laughing at that because <laughs> it's true. You know, yeah. what is what is your passion about a woman's history? Where did I come from? How do you how do you connect so deeply with the fact that this is not boring at all? It's powerful. Um, well, firstly, I think like it's so important for us to engage with our historical context to understand why society functions the way it does today, in order for us to get to the heart of the problem when it comes to our societal ills. And because um, the advancement of women is something that's very close to my heart, um, I usually like sharing stories um, that have not really been told about women who actually contributed a lot to our political, economic, and social climate. Um, so I think it's, it's so important to understand the context of where we're coming from in order to understand how to resolve the social ills that we're dealing with at the moment. Mm. Mm. Very true words and very powerful words. Now, you've been involved in creating amazing pieces that have been on display at the State Theatre. Tell us a bit about that, you know, you really highlighting women's rights and doing that in a picture format and leaving that impact. Tell us a bit about highlighting women through art. Um, so basically, uh, the exhibition is titled Shira Zoran's Her Story. Um, it's at the South African State Theatre, which is running the whole of March. Mm -hmm. um, I thought it was apt to do it this month because it's International Women's Month after all. And basically what I've done is that I've I started a series last year titled Women are the Architects of Society. And it was basically about highlighting um, the role of women um, and giving them their flowers beyond them being named after buildings and street names and actually considering what it would look like for them to appear in our currency. Um, it's just a, a token, a way of showing um, the world that, you know, there's still a lot of room for improvement when it comes to acknowledging um, the, the impartation that women put or give us in this world. Hmm. Um, so basically, I've documented stories um, about women like Ruth First, um, Ellen Kuzwayo, Coretta Scott King, uh, Sojourner Truth, and um, yeah, and Ida B. Wells, Madam C.J. Walker, um, basically just highlighting their stories and how they made a difference in the world. Mm. I love this because it so resonates with me. And I, I, when I was in the States a couple of years ago, 
I remember receiving change for something that I had paid for. And on one of the currency coins is Susan B. Anthony. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't know. I mean, she was such a huge, huge suffragette fighter. She was really the start of everything and why women can vote in the United States today. And and she is on the currency and people just use it every day. And uh, I kind of looked at the coin and got it as change and I slipped it in my pocket was like, it's not going anywhere. I'm not using it for anything because (laughs) women like women don't appear on currency. It's exactly also a point uh, there that you're highlighting in the States. They've been doing some things to change that. And there are commemorative coins that have come out. and uh, But I think that we could do better in South Africa to be looking at this and to make that change. I love that you're actually highlighting that point as well and kind of sharing these stories beyond just what we read in books, but making it visual for people because people love the visual. Mm -hmm. And how have you found people's response to you know, seeing the artwork, seeing the pictures, and hearing these stories? Um, It's been quite interesting, actually. I initially thought that it would be something that would only interest women. Um, But last year when I did the show, um, there were actually male counterparts that actually came and participated in the event, which I never really expected. So there is a Mm. point of interest. People are kind of curious because it's something that they've never really thought about. Um, because, I mean, our social constructs indoctrinate people to think and believe a certain way about how women are meant to be um, or how they're meant to be seen. So mm-hmm. um, I think find it intriguing and they find it fascinating, just the idea of what what would our banknote actually look like and who would we, would we choose and what would that do for our society? How would that change how we see women and how they're represented when it comes to their role in society? Mm, mm. I love that you mentioned that. I'm thinking now of, you know, something that I was a part of in here in Cape Town, the Women's T20 Cricket World Cup. And it was incredible because I remember at the opening game when South African women were playing, I remember one of the guys, the stadium was sold out and that's 22,000 people. One of the guys sitting in the stand close to us said, I've been at a lot of women's cricket games because I believe in supporting women, uh, but I've never seen a stadium this full. Uh, and and wow. it was full with a lot of men, <laughs> like you're saying. Yeah. So the support is actually there and the mindset is there and, and it's changing. But like you've also said, we've actually inherited certain kinds of messages doctrines, thoughts, beliefs uh, regarding women and and what they should be doing. And if you could highlight one story that I love Madam CJ Walker, like I (laughs) binged that show on Netflix. I'm sure you did as well. (laughs) Oh, my word. Same. Yeah. Yes. And I uh, I can't can't get over it. it, It's incredible, right? And I mean... Oh, it's just there's so much. You probably talk about her, but if you could highlight one woman, and that's this is a very difficult question. But while you were creating these pieces, if maybe in this moment or the season of your life, one woman's story just connected with you, just felt it more deeper, uh, who would that be, and why did that story really connect with you? Oh wow! I mean, all of them connected so deeply with me, but um. 
I'll I'll highlight Madam C.J. Walker. I mm. think that her story is so inspiring to me as a businesswoman, as someone who's trying to build something for myself. And I think that she's proven that anything is possible. Um, and I just uh, found it very interesting that, you know, she was born just after slavery was abolished and mm. she became the change that I wanted to see. And I think that's something that resonates with me so much in everything that I do. I don't wait for someone to make things happen. I take the initiative mm-hmm. and um, that's a characteristic in her that I really um, resonated with so much. And I mean, overall, she's just, a, she, she was very self-driven um, mm-hmm. and she didn't allow the circumstances around her, around you know, the time that she was living in to stop her from pursuing what she believed she deserved to live in and exist mm-hmm. in. Um, and so um, I think her story particularly touched me quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And when I discovered, I just kept on latching onto it. And I just thought to myself, I can't go a lifetime without painting this woman. <laughs> her story <laughs> needs to be told. Um, yeah, and more women need to see that they're actually capable of doing more than what they've been narrowed down to think of themselves. Mm-hmm. Sure, I love that. And and also the challenges that she had to face, even in her own family, you know, her husband feeling intimidated by her success and feeling less yeah. than. And, and also uh, one of the other things, and I think, it's such an important point to touch on is that she came under fire by other women, by, you know, other women. And isn't that something that we still see in our society today? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And which is why it's so important for us to actually learn our history so that we can know what to do better and not to repeat the same mistakes that were made in the past. Um, And it's very unfortunate that, you know, uh, some patterns repeat themselves. I mean, there's nothing new under the sun, but I think that, you know, with with knowledge, understanding and wisdom, there's so much more that we can do. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of, you know, why we celebrate the 9th of August every year. And I think that for many people, the reality that that is a historical day uh, has been lost on many people. We talk about it a yeah. lot and we go, hey, you know, it's not just a time to have tea and <laughs> women's breakfast and meetings. Those are great. We're not saying yeah. that you can't celebrate that, but what are we really celebrating? And it was this this incredible unity of women, 20,000 women marching yeah. for what they believed in in 1956 and it was a diverse group of women representing all parts of South Africa and you think of the leaders of the Women's March you know like Helen Joseph she wasn't even born in South Africa think of Sophie de Brain we think of these women and we go we need to learn about their history too and and what can we learn from them and how we should be doing it now and so it's kind of like this continual highlighting that there are lessons history teaches us and we can so learn from those. And I think that's such a beautiful point. And I think that the pieces you've created are actually bringing that and highlighting that to us. What can we learn? How can we take it forward? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so important for people to understand also the paradigm shift of where women come from and where they're going. You know, what does the future look like? Mm. Um, yeah. Mm. 
I'm thinking as well, you know, one of the things I'd love to ask you is how can we inspire a generation through history? How can we, and and particularly I'm going to bring it to young girls because I'm going to bring it again back to the cricket. It was a history-making moment where we have South African cricket players, female cricket players, reaching the final of a T20 World Cup, something that's never been achieved before by men or women cricket players in South Africa. We made history. So you and I are living here right now, part of history, because we're part of this. We're in the generation where it's been made. But one of the things I noticed was lots of young little girls. And um, to the little girls, that's what I'd love to ask you. How can we inspire them through history? What do we do to inspire their generation? Well, I think like one of the practical things that I do um, in my capacity is I've actually, for this exhibition, which I forgot to mention, I've created a rendition of these women on, on coins Mm-hmm. Um, which is something that I'm I'm still going to develop further. Um, and it actually reminds me of a part of research that I did around the subject matter. Um, because last year when I happened to start this series, I learned that um the US uh currency was planning to put Harriet Tubman on their dollar note, Maya mm. Angelo um on the a quarter dollar coin. Um, I'm not sure how far they are with, um, you know, with that, but um, it was actually triggered by a young girl who asked um, Barack Obama, why is it that there's never been a woman on a, on a banknote before? Mm-hmm. And um, that was pretty interesting, you know, so I think by virtue of that, the representation in itself sets a tone and a precedence for how girls see themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they, and begin to see that, oh, okay, I can actually be a president. I can actually be um, on a coin. And, you know, they can dream bigger when they see it actually, you know, happening. So when we take actionable steps to bring these things to life, it sets a tone for how young girls see themselves and how um, male counterparts also see them. Hmm. And that's such an important point as well. I remember watching a video and it was an experiment and maybe you've seen it as well it just went viral on on the internet and it was about these little boys and little girls doing things together and it wasn't a social experiment and they had to perform the same task and at the end they got uh, a bowl of sweets but the little boys got double of what the little girls got and they were trying to show children from a young age that women get paid less there is a pay gap you know it's a reality and it was so actually beautiful to watch because it was just an experiment that was done. And these kids like kind of looked at each other and the little boys started taking out of their jaw and putting into the little girl's jaw and saying, it's not fair. And so from a very young yeah. age, there is that sense that this is not fair and something needs to change. But somewhere along the line, as we get older, we just start to accept things and we work in organizations where men do get paid more and, they're no longer saying it's not fair and giving you half their salary. So where do we lose that that mm. sense of right and wrong as that we have as a child? And and I think it comes back down to what you said as well. Is we need to we need to be teaching young girls and young boys what this looks like, what it means. And you also have some prints that you've made available about from your art pieces. So tell us how do we 
get these and is there a way for people to connect with you on social media and also if they want to come and visit during the month of March the exhibition at the State Theatre how can people do that? Um, Sure so um, the exhibition like I mentioned earlier is running from the 1st to the 31st of March it's pretty much the whole month and the opening day is going to be tomorrow um, from 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. And the thing is going to be on the 25th of March at 3 p.m. So the opening will just be an introduction to the space and just, you know, a, a walkabout. And I'll basically be sharing um, on, on the artwork. And the closing will be a bit more, um, you know, bigger. Um, I've actually invited um, Sophia williams Brain, who happens to be the last surviving woman to lead the Women's March, Mm-hmm. And um, I've also invited um, Dr. Tampo Palade. And I've created like a panel discussion as well for that day. Mm. Um, I, to be more engaging, I want, I want it, you know, to be a more interactive art exhibition as opposed to just people coming to view art for aesthetic appeal. Um, I, it's, it's meant to actually drive people to take actionable steps. So that's, that's how it's going to be. Um and in terms of the prints, I am going to be sharing um, information on that in the next few days to come. Um, they will be available for purchase and um, nationwide. And yeah, um, I look forward to it. I'm excited um, to meet all the lovely faces. Hmm. And yeah, Chin is going to be open for the whole month. So, I mean, even if you can't make it on the opening or the closing, you can still pop in just to you know, come and have a look. Hmm. And it and it sounds incredible and it looks amazing. So Khania, I want to say thank you so much for this incredible work that you're doing. Thank you for being a beacon of hope and light and for drawing out these stories to create change in the world. And all the best for the month of March and also for the opening, the closing, and for that incredible panel discussion that you're going to be having. What, what a joy. And I look forward to continuing to follow your journey and just seeing what you're going to be doing in the future and maybe creating some commemorative currency that we can all purchase and keep and and honor (laughs) these women so thank you so much um yeah thank you so much um i forgot to also mention my social media handle it's courageous underscore art that's k-o-r-a-n-g-e-s underscore art um i'm available on instagram facebook and twitter so go on over and follow the journey, follow and look at these incredible artworks and everything that Khania is doing because it's so incredible. And again, thank you so much for being with me today and all the best for your continued work that you're going to be doing over the next years to come. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Fatima, it is so good to have you with me today for a very, very important conversation, for a very important topic and a time that we will spend together talking about something that actually impacts thousands and thousands of women around the world, and that is endometriosis, with March being Endometriosis Awareness Month. I think it's so important to just get together and have this conversation. But before we do that and talk about really what endometriosis is, what to look out for, how to take care of ourselves Firstly, welcome to the show, and it's so great to have you back with me again. So welcome to Voice of Change today. 
Thank you so much, Lauren. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, and I'm really glad that um, you've chosen to have this conversation um, regarding endometriosis. Um, and as you said, you know, in this in this endometriosis month, and just, just basically to create awareness, um, the more women we can educate, the more women we can reach, the better outcomes we can achieve with regards to conditions like this. Mm, absolutely. I love what you're saying here as well. I know quite a few years ago when I was probably in my 20s, I remember hearing the word endometriosis. And I remember somebody saying to me that their sister-in-law had been diagnosed with endometriosis. And at the time, I really must be honest with you, I didn't actually know what it was, but people were quite concerned about her. And, and while they were surrounding her and really saying, She's really going through such a difficult time and she was in a lot of pain. It was it was quite weird because I was like, well, I'm a woman. I don't really know what endometriosis even is, how it affects the body. And so I think we can't expect that just because we're a woman and maybe women are listening in that we actually even know what endometriosis is and how it affects our body. So with that, I would love for you to just share with us what exactly is endometriosis? Because we do hear the term a lot. Maybe we even know people who have it, but actually we haven't really asked or been like, oh, how does this affect you? Because you, we want to be, you know, we want to be kind. We don't want to like feel like we're prying into someone's life. But how does it really affect a woman's body? And and why is it such a serious condition that we actually need to talk about and take care of ourselves? Okay. Um. Yes. Yeah, so, Lauren. Basically, um. Just to start off with the with the basics, so that you understand what I'm speaking about. Mm-hmm. Um. If we look at the uterus, um. The inner lining of the uterus is what we call the endometrium. Mm-hmm. Um. And every month, when a woman has her menstrual period, that inner lining then sheds, and that's what you you see in, in the form of um blood that passes through in your menstrual period. Mm. Now, with a condition like endometriosis, a tissue very similar to your endometrium um, actually starts growing outside the uterus. Okay, so this tissue can grow over the ovaries, it can grow over your fallopian tubes. And then just to note that it's not limited to just your pelvic structures. So this tissue can grow almost anywhere. So we like mm-hmm. to say that although many think it's a gynecological condition, it can affect almost any other organ. It can grow over your lungs. It can grow over your bladder. It can grow mm-hmm. over your kidneys. It can grow over your bowels. And and that's what makes this condition um, so difficult in in terms of its diagnosis, in terms of its presentation, in terms of its treatment, because it really is a whole body disease. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about how it affects the body, one of the 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 mainstay in terms of presentation is chronic um, pain that is associated with the condition. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of that as well now with, you know, chronic pain and just that experience, but I've never heard it as basically as you've spoken and have shared and explained how this actually happens. And that's incredible because the pain element we hear quite a lot about, but I never realized that it can actually affect so many parts of your body. And actually, like you said, that's why it takes a long time to be diagnosed. I've heard of people living 
with the condition that they don't know what they actually have, but it's taken a year and a half, two years to diagnose. So are there actual symptoms that present themselves that actually make it easier to diagnose? So, yes, there is a diagnostic delay, and we see an average between 7 to 10 years in the diagnostic delay from onset of symptoms um, to diagnosis. And this, mm. just so that I highlight, is seen globally, um, whether it be in your higher income countries or your low to middle income countries, we're seeing the same trend. And like I said, the signs and symptoms are not that specific. So they very much overlap with under other conditions and that is why it makes it so difficult to pinpoint endometriosis. Um, but just to give you an indication of the most common presentation of the, of the condition, um, it presents with, like we said, uh, pelvic pain. This pelvic pain can occur either cyclical or acyclical. So that, that means it can either occur during your menstrual period or when you're not on your menstrual period. So any other time. Um, usually patients will have painful periods. Okay. And I often usually tell women that if your periods are so painful that they are preventing you from going to school, they are preventing you from carrying out daily activities, that they are preventing you from going to work, that is not normal. Mm -hmm. And that's when you need to see alarm bells ringing and red flags that, okay, wait, I might have um, an underlying condition. Mm. Again, um, we also look at it presents in terms of women who are sexually active. They may experience painful sexual intercourse. Many of these women would have heavier uh, menstrual bleeding during their cycles. And then those are the main stick, uh, uh, signs and symptoms. But there's a whole host of other signs and symptoms that, that may these patients present with. And that goes from infertility, fatigue, nausea and vomiting. And then in many patients, we have a lot of digestive system um, signs and symptoms. So the digestive symptoms are usually constipation, diarrhea, or constipation and diarrhea together with um, digestive tract uh, spasms or bloating. And so as you can see, the presentation mimics so many other conditions that it, it really becomes very difficult to pinpoint um, that these are specific for endometriosis. Hmm, I get it now why it's actually so difficult to pinpoint and diagnose because there's so many actually different things and where it affects the body that you probably wouldn't put it with something that's like endometriosis. Like if you have something wrong with your digestive system, you're probably thinking, well, maybe I have a colon problem or maybe I have an IBS or something else. So I, I kind of understand now Definitely. why this can really take quite a long time. Something important you mentioned is that this is a global reality that it takes quite long to diagnose. So even in first world countries, developed nations, it can take quite a long time as well. And I think sometimes people don't think that they think, well, Maybe because you're in Africa, you know, maybe it takes longer because there's, a, you know, not a good system for health, a healthcare system. But actually, it's uh, important to realize this is across the board. Now, when we talk about maybe someone that's listening is thinking, well, actually, 
I do experience some of these symptoms and I do have heavy bleeding and does prevent me from going to school or maybe prevents me from going to work, which I've heard a few women sharing with me even recently, then what do we do? Is our first step, you know, going to the gynecologist? Is it going to a doctor? Is it that easy as going, okay, I'm going to take my health into my own hands right now. Going to go see someone, a specialist maybe, and then maybe start the process from there. So do you, is that the first step to take? And even then, like we're saying, it's kind of feels like maybe there will be a delay in diagnosis and treatment even. Yes. So unfortunately, yes, uh, we still do see the delay. Uh, we haven't managed to eradicate the delay or decrease the delay. Um, so ideally, if you do present with these uh, signs and symptoms, um, we usually advise you to either a GP um, or even better, a gynecologist. Hmm. Now, the reason for for many women that present at primary health care, so primary health care would be either your um, local clinics or your GP where you'd be seen by a GP or a nurse, for example. And I think overall, the reason why we still have this diagnostic delay is number one, there's a lack of awareness amongst um, the general public. So females um, who do not identify the signs and symptoms. Number two, we have a lack of a non-invasive diagnostic tool. Okay, and, and, and I'll touch a bit on, on the exact um, diagnostic tools in a bit. And lack of expertise. We still have, on a specialist level, many specialists who are not well equipped in managing and treating conditions like endometriosis, particularly when it comes um, to surgical removal. Mm. And then very importantly is that we have normalized painful periods mm. in our homes, in our schools, in our communities, where females really feel embarrassed, they feel scared to come out and actually talk about the fact that I have a painful period, perhaps something is wrong, mm. because they feel um, they, they, they're afraid of being stigmatized they're afraid of being shunned they, they it's they, we've created this notion that if you have a painful period you are weak and it's a normal process mm. that every woman should be able to deal with and i think you know on a community level on a social level we need to start breaking down those stigmas and coming out and saying it's okay if you have any issues when it comes to your menstrual cycle you need to talk about it and then we need to obviously address the awareness which we're doing on platforms like this and then obviously um, the diagnostic tools. Hmm. I think this is so important you touched on something here I know when I was a young teenager, I always had painful periods and would miss school every month, uh, even if it was one day, uh, you know, out of the month or two days out of the month. But it was kind of seen as quite normal. And uh, again, you're just reminding us that actually this is a conversation we need to have because actually it's not normal. And obviously a couple of years later, uh, you know, I went through the process of having problems that also took a years to be diagnosed until being diagnosed with PCOS and it was presenting itself when I was young but again because you know we're normalizing painful periods or having to 
not go to school or taking medication, even as a teenager to get through that pain, we, we're kind of normalizing it and saying that this is actually just a normal thing. You know, you, it might just be this way for you, but in fact, it's actually not normal. And we can then maybe start to, if we have this awareness to kind of pick up things that are happening in our own body and realizing something's not right here and actually I can go and see somebody, I should go and see somebody, whether it's the clinic, the doctor, the gynecologist, and actually because something is wrong. And I think it's so important that you're saying we need to create awareness. And that's a challenge that we should take up as well. Definitely, most definitely, Lauren. And I think, you know, when it comes to awareness and when it comes to educating women, I think we need to not just educate women regarding how to identify the signs and symptoms and when to seek medical attention, but also to advocate for themselves. Um, we see time and time again, women are dismissed when they do present to um, a medical practitioner. They may be dismissed as painful periods, hmm. given painkillers and sent away. And this is where I always say to women, have a notebook, write down your signs and symptoms, write down all of your information. And if you are dismissed, don't give up. See another medical professional until you are heard. At the end of the day, we know our bodies and you know when something is not right. And living in chronic pain is not normal. Mm. And that's what we, that's the message we really need to get out there. Mm. I love that. And, you know, Fatima, one of the things that I, want to ask you lastly as well, maybe there are people who are listening in and they're saying, well, actually, I, I have endometriosis. I was diagnosed and my doctor has sort of been able to treat me. But again, something you spoke about earlier on as well is that we don't always get the help that we need from medical practitioners. It's just a reality. Sometimes we just prescribed a contraceptive pill that's supposed to help. It doesn't really help. I have my own story about that as well, you know, different medications and oh, this should help, this could help, this may help, this doesn't help. And so what can we really do actually as women where we're taking ownership of our own health, we're taking ownership of our own bodies, we want to look after ourselves and so say we have something like endometriosis, what can we do on a daily basis to really look after ourselves? You know, is it also about taking vitamins, getting proper rest? just the general actual basic things that we can do besides just the big things that we're probably now thinking of and maybe people listening in are thinking, oh, now I have to do this or maybe I have to take this medication. What are the basics that we can actually implement in our daily lives that actually can help with realities like endometriosis? Lauren, that's that's a great question. And um, apart from the therapies and the surgery um, that is used to manage um, and reduce disease progression. Um, very importantly is that this condition is very much associated with an inflammatory process. Okay, so these women have marked inflammatory processes and that leads to um, the, the whole host of additional um, symptoms and the pain and very commonly what we call uh, endometriosis flare-ups, which are periods where they have um, exaggerated pain, extreme bloating, fatigue, um, to the point where they cannot even get out of bed. Mm. And lifestyle modification 
plays a significant role in managing or decreasing the number of flare-ups. Um, remember, because it's an inflammatory condition, pro-inflammatory foods would obviously increase that those in, that inflammatory process in your body and lead to an increased number of flare-ups um, in these type of patients. So in terms of lifestyle modifications, diet, very importantly, women need to have a look and diarize which foods trigger a flare and try to cut down those foods. Uh, we've seen your pro-inflammatory foods like your processed meats, your fried foods, many women who are sensitive to dairy products mm. or gluten um, may find that those type of foods would actually um, increase um, a flare-up or cause a flare-up. Um, light exercise is always good for mobility. Looking um, at pelvic exercises, there are some specific pelvic exercises that may help with pelvic mobility because these patients um, have so much of adhesions, uh, scar tissue, they end up with what we called a frozen pelvis. So certain types of exercises may be very painful to do. And so you really need to look at which work for you. And so we normally say light exercises in the motions and ranges that you can easily manage without causing yourself more pain. And obviously, lastly, the most difficult one um, is, is stress. And women normally mm. see that during periods of intense stress, they have increased number of flare-ups. So obviously, trying techniques like meditation or yoga to help relieve stress. And I really, Lauren, cannot stress the importance of lifestyle modifications. But you will only see the benefit of these if you are consistent. Mm. And like I said, it's very much individualized. There's no one size fits all. You need to see what triggers your flare-ups um, and work on eliminating those foods, looking at a healthier diet um, in in managing uh, your condition. Fatima, mm. I just want to say thank you so much for, for creating this awareness, firstly with us and for sharing this information. And I think it's been so empowering. And sometimes people can think, well, this is just a general conversation, but it's not a general conversation about something. It's a reality that many women face. Some uh, endometriosis is not something that's easily diagnosed. And oftentimes it can be when you get that diagnosis, it can seem very overwhelming. But you've been sharing some tips with us today as well about making those lifestyle modifications. And it can actually be quite simple. And if we take it step by step, it can be really worthwhile. And so Fatima, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today for creating this awareness around March, which is Endometriosis Awareness Month. And again, thank you so much for being with me on the show today. I believe that it has empowered the listeners, even men and women who are listening out there. And so again, thank you so much for being with me. Well, if you haven't heard of Women's History Month, I hope and pray that you are super excited about it and that you can say that Voice of Change was the place where you first heard about Women's History Month. And so I want to say thank you so much to my superstar guests today that have been with me. And don't forget that Khania's big exhibition is still happening if you find yourself in Pretoria 
and you can get there then go on over and also that panel discussion happening the 25th of March at 3 p.m. at the Opera Marble Foyer at the State Theatre with incredible incredible women like Sophia Williams de Brain that we've spoken about on the show before and we've chatted to her and also with Khania who's going to be there talking about the She Rose Rands her story exhibition and it's just going to be a wonderful day a wonderful afternoon I believe it's going to be a blessing and if you find yourself there go on over go and join go and listen and get to spend some time with these women who are making such incredible changes in our society and I also want to say that I pray that you have been so blessed today with everything that Fatima has shared as someone who has walked through you know looking at my health as someone who lives with PCOS I know that it's a discussion I love having with people and talking about how we take care of ourselves as women and it's becoming more and more frequent that we hear of reproductive health issues or infertility, endometriosis, PCOS, and very, very similar illnesses and autoimmune diseases as well that connect with reproductive health. And it's very important that we as women and men, but we as human beings just break open that conversation and say, we're going to have this conversation. We want to have it and we need to create awareness so that it doesn't take so long to get a diagnosis, that it doesn't take so long and so much from us causing anxiety to kind of figure out what we can do to better heal or to look after our body. So thank you so much to Fatima for joining me, for shining the light and really encouraging us to take care of ourselves and to know that there is hope. There is always hope. Even if we have to live with something, it is okay. You know, we can look after ourselves. We are not helpless. God is also with us. He is for us. He is with our bodies. He is for our bodies. He loves us and he is always there to be with us regardless of what we are facing and I want to really encourage you with that sometimes when we face illness or when we face hard times it can be quite distressful and like I said can cause anxiety or just feelings of why am I going through this or do I really have to live with this just lean in I want to encourage you to lean into God lean into Christ and to know that his will will ultimately prevail in your life that nothing you know, is is put in your path to stop you, but it's always to propel you to move forward. So thank you so much for being with me on the show today on Voice of Change. It's been so good. Next week, I welcome Sheila, and Sheila is incredible. Sheila Gregor is an incredible woman, and we're going to be talking about her new research and writing on the purity culture in evangelical circles and the danger that it has wrought on so many people's lives. Mm, That's going to be a very interesting conversation. So can't wait to see you next week. Until then, take care. This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.